1: Hello, I'm Alan Cumming, and welcome to My Shelves. My shelves are sort of a museum of my life. I like to keep things from my travels that are, to me anyway, the very essence of the experiences I've had. Sort of portals, if you will, to a specific time and place. And the inspiration for stories and memories and musings. Here's one of my favourite pictures. I found it in the attic of a flat I used to live in in London. And what it is, it's a sort of a sepia sketch of a little boy scout, a little sort of camp little boy scout who's got his hand on his hip and one leg kind of at a jaunty, you know, slightly showgirl kind of angle. And um, he's looking over his shoulder and over his shoulder, touching his shoulder, is Jesus for some reason <laughs> I have no idea either Here's a bottle of Moroccan rose water facial spray for some reason hm, No idea And today I'm talking with Marisa Berenson And then you said, what's the second one? And I said, the second one is called Just Fuck Me by Marissa <laughs> Berenson <laughs> Welcome and bienvenue Welcome Marisa Berenson is a legend. There's no two ways about it. She is an internationally renowned actress and model. Um, her first job, her first movie, was Lucino Visconti's Death in Venice. Her second film, Cabaret, Bob Fosse's Cabaret. <laughs> so she started Small. Uh, a, a couple of films later, she worked with Stanley uh, Kubrick in Barry Lyndon. She has had such an incredible career. She's still works in the fields of acting, modelling and all sorts. She now lives in Marrakesh and that's where she joined me to talk about the item from my shelves. And the object from my shelves is a jar of jam. You'll find out more about it later uh, when I talk to Marissa. but it's it's a jar of jam. It has a little sticker on it. It says D4LNYC, SNET 15301. Uh, rule number one, Everybody Needs Jam, then My Signature, Alan and Two Kisses. D4L means Designed for Living. NYC, of course, means New York City. And I was in the play Designed for Living in 2001. It's a play by Noel Coward, a really incredible play, so ahead of its time. And also uh, in it, uh, in that production, was my um, lovely guest today, Marisa Berenson. There's also a sticker on this jar of jam of me. uh, It's a picture of me as Mr. Floop from Spy Kids, which was out at the time. (laughs) And I thought it would just be rather jolly to stick a sticker of me on this jar of jam. Uh, To find out why I actually uh, gave the whole cast uh, a jar of jam as a first-night present, stay tuned, everybody. So I've got here the thing that I want to talk about from my shelves, which is this (laughs) little jar of jam. I've still got it. A jar, I mean, I dare not open it. It'll probably explode, but...
2: (laughs) It, I it's, kept uh, mine, it's, too.
1: Oh, you did. I Aww. did. So, so,
2: I did. I have the the jar. I have the posters. I have everything from uh, from the from the play, and um, I haven't opened it. No, I just kept it. No, as, I don't. I in, don't
1: advise you to open it. it a, relic. So it's, got a s- <laughs> it's. I, I love what it. Says on it. I've forgotten this about it. It says uh, So it's fifteen three oh one. So it's the fifteenth of March. We opened. The joke, of course, is that that thing is. Uh, rule number one everybody needs jam which is the quote that do you remember that story that uh, Noel coward oh yes yes he went he went to lunch with a he was doing a play and he went took a young actress who's the sort of the ingenue out to lunch and he you know wanted to sort of get to know her better and she was very nervous and she was talking about stuff and saying "Well, said all this stuff during the lunch and at the end of it he said to her my dear you haven't complimented me a single time during this lunch. Not one single compliment. And she was shocked. And she said, oh, my gosh, Mr. Coward, I just thought you would know that you're such a legend. I'm just so honored to work with you. I just didn't I didn't feel that I didn't realize that." And he said, my dear, rule number one, everybody needs jam. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think that's because we, well, we all need a little bit of, uh, of uh, sweetness, a sweetness, Yes, a
2: little sweetness. In our lives. And so
1: I made, so I got this jam made and gave it to everybody. And also it says on it, "Snet." Do you remember Snet? So Jennifer Ely, yeah, who played, uh, yeah, I remember. Girda. Jennifer, well, she, lovely, she, lovely. Yeah, there was there's an actress called Mariah Aitken who was sort of uh, an expert on Coward and did all these talks, and she'd seen this um, talk or a TV show that Mariah Aitken had done about Coward, and she said that there, there's an acronym for how you do how You perform Noel Card's work, and it's SNET, and it stands for Style, Naturalism, Energy, and Turning on an Emotional Sixpence.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love that. Well, he's it's one of who. the most uh, wonderful people. I mean, to play in, in those uh, wonderful plays of his are, are just uh, incredible. Oh, yes. It was so much. It's so because it's so witty and sophisticated and glamorous, yeah. and at the same time, you know, it's kind of. Talks about important things, but sort of with a, an amazing sort of depth, with a légèreté to it, you know. Sort of yes, a, yes. The way he looked at life was was wonderful and so
1: ahead of his time, actually. So that ahead of. Design, time. design for a living is basically about a throuper, T- about yeah. yeah, yeah, about and that that was written and that was written in in the late twenties, and it was so funny. I think actually people thought we had changed it because. Uh, when we did it in, in 2001, Gare, I
2: think. The, yeah. Yes, it, yeah. they
1: thought it was, the weed, I think because of me and, uh, and my sort of reputation, they thought we'd made it, we'd sexed it up a bit more than it actually was. And it absolutely wasn't. And I think that's interesting at that time. And I guess it was, you know, the equivalent of the, the Weimar time in, 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 the, in Germany and all the kind of
2: yeah. exciting
1: things that were happening. Exactly. He was writing in that time about these quite progressive things. Exactly.
2: I mean, the 20s were very progressive. I mean, I mean, Very, very, uh, already very daring and very out. I mean, it sort of was after, you know, transformed everything actually from the turn of the century. All of a sudden they went into this free spirits or free sex. I mean, like, like sometimes sort of like what we did in the seventies, you know, everything was very kind of, uh, very free and very creative and very, uh, uh, daring everything,
1: and I think it's interesting that after in the twenties it was sort of a reaction. It was after the Spanish flu epidemic, so there was a kind of a big zest for life after that. And I imagine after COVID there'll be a similar. Yeah, sort of, well, uh, I guess thing. I
2: don't know though because you know people are so traumatized, and now there's like this has sort of changed. I think the the, the everything in the world and the way people think now and the way people act yeah. and the whole world is sort of changed i mean i want to think in a very positive way that certain things are changing for the better because i i see some very interesting yeah. things happening new ways of doing things and new in, you know, of things? ways of inventing oneself and well even in our business i think that's going to change a lot too i mean it's, it's just uh, unfortunately the what every the, going to the movies and going to the theater which we love so much is something that's been put on hold for the moment but because of that everybody's home and everybody's on their television sets so every everything is going to be a lot about you know television series and and yeah. movies for 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 television and even festival film festivals you know that are shown online now or or on t- yeah. and and there's a whole new way even fashion the good thing about it is that a million I mean millions of more people can see these things yes. you know when you go on Amazon for instance I'm supposed to do a film for Amazon and so millions of people watch that film because it's on on Amazon or on Netflix now rather yes. than a wonderful film maybe that one would only see in a festival or where one may not see at all because it only yeah. stays a week in a movie house you know what i'm saying
1: yeah yeah totally
2: i mean it's a shame in a way cuz we i mean i love the going to the movies you know or going to the yes. theater and i mean the fact that one can't go to the theater anymore uh, or do anything in the theater. For the t- I mean, I spent last year doing as uh, you were talking about Weimar, doing a thing called Berlin Cabaret, where I thought of you so much. I
1: I, I I I saw pictures of that on your Instagram. It, it Was very cabaret. It was so good. Ca- well,
2: yeah, it was just. Whereas so you
1: being a cabaret singer, you're being a sort of a, a and Sally Bowles. A I little. was the
2: kind of the madam of this cabaret. Whoa. Yeah, a total madam. Who had sort of been, yeah, in the in that part in that time uh, during the two wars when survival was everything, and the Nazis came in, and I have uh, this club called, you know, this club where all where I perform, and I have uh, these, you know, I sort of protect artists and writers right. and journalists right. and stuff it was a fantastic fun thing to do and i that
1: sounds amazing i
2: sang and danced for the first time look at you on stage. Showgirl. I, oh, I loved it i loved it i'd always wanted to do it it was so much fun i thought of you a lot
1: uh yeah when i first started to do you know c- concerts cabaret shows my of my on my own yeah I was so nervous. I mean, like you're saying, it's a big leap to go from just being an actor to being sort of, you know, yourself. And, uh, and and even to perform in that way as an actor as well, that very sort of no fourth wall talking to the audience stuff. Anyway, when I first did my, I was about to do my first concert. I I talked to Liza about it and she said this amazing thing about how she thinks about singing a song, which is like a song is like a play. It's got three acts and you're a character inside it and you have these conflicts and everything. And, you meet different people in the song, but then, you know, the song, it comes to an end and then, and then you, you know, the, like, like the curtain comes down and that's the end of the song. And it's so, so simple.
2: brilliant. She's so brilliant, Liza. You know? she's, she's so just,
1: incredible about being, about being a showman like that, yeah, so having true. authenticity yet still having pizazzas. right. right. Uh, no, she's, she's just,
2: she's one of the most brilliant uh, people on the planet, you know, as far as also intelligence, Talent, yeah. but the intelligence that goes with it, and the sensitivity, and the and all of it. It's just uh, she's quite an amazing. Yeah. But she's you were amazing in Cabaret after that too. You were wonderful.
1: There's you. Yeah. There's you. Did you did you um know Liza before you made the film of Cabaret?
2: No, I met her on the film. I met her, and we we right. became instant buddies, and we still are. I mean, we still see each other, talk to each other.
1: Yeah. 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 I, I remember there was a hilarious picture of you two at the races oh, yeah. that I saw. Yeah, <laughs> what was that about? I can't imagine you two going well, to the horse races. Well, I, I'll tell you
2: because I said to I, I said to Liza when she when we finished the film and she was going out with this guy who was really not right for her and she wasn't very happy with him. So I said, darling, if you get back home and all of a sudden you feel you need to escape and get away, just call me up and. Come on over, you know, and I was going out with uh, David Rothschild at the time I was engaged to. And she uh, literally a week later, she calls me up and she said, darling, I'm coming over. So I said, "Okay." So I said to David, Liza's coming to spend the summer with us. And so she came over. And
1: where where was she coming to? She was
2: coming, well, she was come, We were, it was like August, so we were going to Marbella.
1: Oh, you were in Spain. And uh-huh. then
2: Deauville, which is where the uh. horses were.
1: Ah, uh, in France, uh, right? Yeah,
2: in France, in Deauville. And so she, she arrived over and she had uh, all these wonderful suitcases full of these wonderful outfits that Halston had sort of made a book for her of everything she needed to wear that was like a, a photograph of the thing a sketch with a with a fabric and uh, what she had to wear at the races what she had to wear at any occasion you know wow <laughs> so, so we used to go to the races uh, in Deauville you know and uh, we <laughs> <laughs> she and i would just because she's so funny you know we would laugh about everything 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 we had the best time and so i sort of introduced her to to the to to the french society at the time i gave a big party for her and you know and and uh, she had a wonderful time and and you know we sort of giggled our way through life ever since
1: <laughs> <laughs> she is such a giggler she is such a funny a oh
2: we have so much fun
1: And um, you know, you were saying in the uh, about in 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 the seventies, and how I wonder what that was in Weimar. There was sort of it was a reaction to to the sort of depression and things and the Spanish flu and everything. What was the seven and the war? Yes, uh, what was the seventies a reaction to?
2: Well, I think you know, like uh, like in the twenties, you know, they threw away the corsets. Women became emancipated. I mean, you know, it's was a whole other thing. And in the 70s, I think, you know, coming out of the war and the, with the end of the 40s, only 45 or whenever it was, and then the 50s was was kind of building up to, uh, you know, more equality, uh, more freedom mm. for women, more, more, um, more. Exp- I mean, it still wasn't so, sort of uh, the most free time for 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 women or to express oneself and everything but i think in the 60s there was this kind of idealism and this sort of uh, desire for for freedom and for peace and love and you know that whole really and i i think it was a generation of sort of idealists really that that um, mm. that wanted a whole other world so started to express themselves in that way although it didn't last very long because i think in the 80s and the 90s it started to change Mm. again with aids and with a lot of you know things but during that small period of the end of the 60s and the 70s there was kind of a a burst of like uh, of wanting something else a different kind of world and 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 you know different kind of life and Although and where was, were
1: you in your life at the time? What was happening with you? Then? Well,
2: I was I was very very young, so I had I was uh, sixteen when my father died, going on seventeen. He died in New York, and um, he, you know, he uh, he took me to this last this big ball I remember, which was the last thing I ever went to with him, and Diana Vreeland was there. Oh, the old um, Harper's Bazaar. No, she was Vogue. uh, Oh, she was at Vogue Vogue, there. She was at
1: Vogue first and then she went to Harper's Bazaar. No, she
2: was at Harper's Bazaar first, then she was at Vogue. Yeah. Oh, I see. And um, and she had known me when I was uh, like four years old or, you know, babies born. And she was friends with my parents and my grandmother. And she sort of rediscovered me then at uh, and she said we have to photograph Marisa and that was it you know
1: at I the was... ball she said that
2: she said that at the ball she said we have to photograph Marisa and that was it so from then on in i was prop- propulsed, propels, propel- Propul- propulsed, uh, propelled propelled <laughs> propelled propelled <Yes>. propelled into the <laughs> into this world of uh, fashion and um and and just the world, you know, full stop. I what, mean, a uh, young. What were you wearing?
1: Do you remember what you were wearing at the ball?
2: Oh, I was wearing a very, uh, very sort of a goody-goody little, you know, uh, girl dress with a white collar, and uh, sort of a pale green silk dress. I remember with the white collar and a little chignon, looking very proper and very kind of a uh, little debutante, but very innocent. You know, I was still very kind of young. And that and didn't then, last long then, <laughs> and then <laughs> boom, out into the world yes. I went in the midst of this kind of amazing world that just was uh just this whirlwind of those extraordinary people and
1: and, and like did what Avedon... Well, everybody, you, and, uh, you know,
2: it was like all of the great photographers, Albert Godin and Penn and Bert Stern and David Bailey and Cecil Beaton and uh, you name wow. it. I mean, all of them. But then apart from just that world, there was all of, you know, there was another world of of, of Andy Warhol and all mm. of the artists at the time. And so I was part of the Warhol group and all of those people. And then,
1: it's, I remember you told me that that did was Andy Warhol like your wedding photographer yeah, once. He,
2: he, yeah, he, he took my. <laughs> he came to my wedding and he took. He actually wrote a whole chapter about my wedding. <laughs> And he I just love
1: that. that's who your <laughs> wedding photographer is. Oh, we well, have to get someone to take snaps at the wedding. Let's get Andy Warhol. No,
2: he chose <laughs> though. No, no, he came. He came as a friend, and and just decided he was going to take pictures. I didn't ask him, you know, uh, but he was just a really good friend, so he came. And the actually the day before is all the furniture because I'd redecorated the house as all the furniture and the flowers and the tent was going up and everything. And he was sitting there going, oh, gosh, this is so much fun. You know how Mandy talks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, Mary, like gosh, this is so. And then he just did this whole chapter on my wedding as it was one of the, you know, people are still talking about that wedding.
1: <laughs> Why was it so amazing? What did you do?
2: It was just there was the whole world was there. I mean, there were eight hundred people. The whole of Hollywood. Eight hundred. Eight hundred people in my home. in Beverly Hills with every film star and great director and God knows who came. The entire world, and then this whole plane came over from Europe. This that they had, you know, uh, (laughs) this friend of mine had had uh, rented this huge. plane and and this all these people came over from Paris on it and so there was like and then it was i don't know you know uh, it was so mediatized and so uh yeah. it was just something that nobody had ever seen in Hollywood like that in somebody's house you know with all those people yes. That, yes that they uh they 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 did i don't know they made videos they went i mean rona barrett did a whole film on it on for television wow. about how Marriage was back, and romance was back, and <laughs> everything you know, <laughs> and there were all these amazing people there and i don 't i just, i didn't even know what was going on in my you know I was floating through that thinking where where, where am i <laughs> what's happening in my life you know
1: kind of thing but like you did you have a good time at it
2: i yeah I did, and i i was I, I, I think I was in the world but not of the world, which is a feeling I right. have a lot. Um, Yeah, I know what you mean. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That sort of thing of like it's it's happening to you, but you're also outside looking at it at the same time. Exactly, Yeah. yeah.
0: Hello, I'm Sam Walker. I've spent the last few months talking to this guy. I'm a hunter. It's what I do. He's called KC. Our rules of engagement are pretty simple.
2: If we have to pull a trigger on one person, they're all going to go.
0: He's an American vigilante.
2: And there is one of the biggest men I've ever seen. And he's got a knife in his hand.
0: He rescues kidnapped children.
2: There's no feeling in the world like putting a child
0: back in the arms of its parents. By any means necessary.
2: It's ugly. You want me to make sure I don't hurt anybody?
0: He scares me.
2: And he kind of looked at me and I said, I swear to God, I said, if you do anything other than what I told you to do, I said, I'm going to kill you right here.
0: And he might scare you.
2: About got tears in your eyes right now just thinking about that, don't you?
0: Download the podcast, American Vigilante.
2: Download American Vigilante. Out now. Now.
1: You know, you've been so involved with fashion all through your life. Like you said, you started off as a young, young girl being a model. And I just wondered how important all that is to you now.
2: I think, well, I look at that past and I'm very grateful because uh, I just, I'm just, just so in awe of actually all those people and of that time that I lived and how lucky I was. You know, I just feel like I was so blessed to have all of that and to have worked with all those amazing people and fashion then was very, very different. The whole atmosphere, you know, is very different than it is now. Now it's very, you know, it's all big business Yes. and, um,
1: less about art, and very, about corporate, very corporate, very yeah. corporate and
2: very, you know, and it's less about art and less about creativity and, and it's, um, but I'm still, you know, I still you know i'm still pho- i still do a lot of things for magazines i still i you know i still do campaigns i still do lots of stuff like that and i still love it you know i'm so grateful that actually people still want to photograph me and, and do stuff like that you know
1: <laughs> why do you think it is that some people like being photographed and others don't uh
2: you know I don't know because I felt so free in front of a camera which I never thought Mm. that would ever happen to me because I was so shy as a child and I wasn't prepared for that at all and it just happened that I felt very, very free and very liberated when I was in front of a camera and it was inexplainable. I think I sort of became more myself uh, than... In real life Mm. where I was a little more timid and shy and actually it gave me self-assurance more than um, in my real life. And then when I did Death in Venice with Lucchino Visconti, that's one thing he said to me the first day I filmed. He said, you know, Marisa, you're not afraid of the camera. And that is, you know, wonderful. So yeah. I, I never. Just I felt comfortable, and and you have a love affair with the the cat, you know, with the camera. And then I, I worked.
1: Was that the first film you done? Um, Death, Death and in Venice. Venice. Yeah. Oh my god, I know. hilarious! That's so funny. Well, that's <laughs> your first movie. <laughs> but that, but I think it's interesting. I work sometimes with, you know, I really like getting photographed too, and I really understand that thing that I'm able to, you know, because of some of the images that I've done, quite racy ones. People think I'm much more of an extrovert in my life than I actually am. Right. I mean, I have fun and I'm, 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 you know, I have a laugh and everything, but I, I, I think that my image through, through still pictures gives people a different perspective. And that's partly because I'm, I, I'm able to express that side of myself through the lens. I think yeah. that's what you're talking about. You almost, you yeah. you you kind of become a different person somehow, almost. I, absolutely. The...
2: That's what's so much fun about doing photographs or being an actor. Is that you can just become, you know, something else, and I love that to transform into anything, it's, you know, and be, sort of be a chameleon.
1: I think it's weird sometimes. Do you ever find this when you when you do a photograph with another person, when you've got like another actor, you've got to be photographed with, and sometimes you realise they. Uh, like like you were talking about that film I did with Jennifer Jason Lee the anniversary party and yeah. she loves she loves being photographed and it's it's such a it's a I've I've always loved the images of her that I've seen and I think her her um, father used to photograph her a lot and it's just she just says she feels really comfortable in front of the camera and and, and I and so when we got we had to get photographed a lot obviously when you do a film like that together I really loved the feeling of being with someone else who understood that thing of right letting letting go a bit Mm -hmm. but sometimes when you're with someone who doesn't feel like that you're letting go and they're not and you feel kind of you feel
2: very uncomfortable
1: yeah you (laughs) feel crazy yeah (laughs) yes
2: yeah yeah uh, uh, no yeah I don't it's I think it's just in in us you know it's impossible to describe what it is to be an actor or to have that sense of uh, freedom or in mm. front of a camera. it's just you know, I find I don't know about you but I find that I'm never the same in a rehearsal or in a reading or in a thing than I am when the when the when the camera is actually rolling. Yes. You know, you do you have that yes, feeling yes.
1: too? Absolutely. There's a sort of extra something happens. bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of magic. Yeah,
2: the magic, exactly.
1: In Design for Living, you played this sort of society grand dame of New York <laughs> in the and it's in the scene where uh, the two boys come back to New York. They've they've been on their own together. The play is about sort of this throuple. But the, first of all, it's me and Jennifer Ely are a couple, and then Dominic West comes and sort of steals her away, and then they're a couple. And I go back and and uh, in the second act and 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 at the end of that act, it's me and Dominic are together. And then in the third act, when you come in, uh, Jennifer is in is has married and is in this sort of very glamorous set in New York City, in a big skyscraper. And um, Dominic and I come back to kind of get her. We realize that the only way we can all be happy is to be uh, three of us together. And you were, I just loved, I remember the curtain went up and there was this huge (laughs) set, this spiral (laughs) staircase that you had to come down. (laughs) It was the most glamorous, amazing entrance.
2: in 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 that sort of satin Grey pearl dress, shiny, shiny yes. pearl satin dress, and
1: you had your hair up in a big sort of, sort of almost like a German thing, kind of up, up in a sort of thing round your head. What would you call that? A chignon.
2: A chignon. Oui, chignon. Oh, we a chignon. we used to have giggles. Remember sometimes? Oh my god! On, on, on in the middle of the in the middle of the scene.
1: <laughs> totally, totally. I remember you called um, uh, yes, Jennifer. Exactly. Jennifer's got you called her Glenda. Her <laughs> character's called Gilda, and you kept calling her Glenda. And there was one night you went, "Oh, blah blah blah, Glenda. I mean, Gilda." It <laughs> just I sent remember. us off. You
2: were laughing so much. You sort of said something to me sotto
1: voce. <laughs> Oh, we did I'm terrible. Fun. I just got, I think when that happens and you just laugh and we laugh like drains on that, I, you just have to let, you just have to laugh because it's, it's worse trying to keep you it in. You have to go
2: with it, you know, kind of. You have to get it out. Yeah. It, it's part of the flow.
1: <laughs> totally.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I remember we used to always go to Cathy and in on 43rd Street right. afterwards. Right. And, it was such a hoot. I remember one time you were talking about because I remember you used to always have little potions and kind of little I things you would do. rub on your. I bet you do. <laughs> yes, little things on your neck and your and your uh, thingy points. What do you call them? Your pressure points and everything and all this little rubbing little things and little. <laughs> you were like a little apothecary, a walking apothecary. Oh yeah. And then I and one time you had this, you had this, you had your, you had your squirting your fragrance before we were going out. Uh, to to dinner and I said, Oh, what's that? And she went, Oh well it's a it's a it's a it's a fragrance that I made with someone in Paris and they were going to want to market it but I just have never thought of of a name. I've never thought of the right name, so I've never actually done it, gone through with it. And I said, You know what? marissa i'll i'll have a go i'll think of a name for you and so a couple of days later we were were, uh, sitting and i said (laughs) i've got two options i've got one that's very classy and i think it's very lovely and another one that's a bit more it's going to sell more bottles but you might not like it and you said okay what's the first one i said first of all l'elixir de marissa And you're like, oh, I love that. I love that. It's very nice. It's very nice. (laughs) Yes, it's very classy and elegant. And then then you said, what's the second one? And I said, the second one is called Just Fuck Me by Marissa (laughs) 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 Vernson
2: Oh, you know, I still haven't oh my god, that is so funny. I'd forgotten about the fuck me one. Oh, that's so
1: great. <laughs> Imagine if there was a fragrance called Just Fuck Me. I think that Just would be hilarious. Fuck
2: me is so fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I still haven't commercialized that perfume and I still wear it. And it's so, so delicious. I always, I always think yet. about
1: that. Yes, yeah, still, yeah. Keep going. What there's about elixir de marisa? Might, I think that's quite that good.
2: We might bring it out with just <laughs> me. So just oh, me. That
1: would be great. That but I just, I always so remember great. that uh, smell. Like I, you know how you associate certain people with yeah. smells, and I, I always think of when I think of you. I just, I'm getting it now. That sort of, it, I, I can't smell the thing, but I, I associate that. I have a memory of you that's about a smell, that's a what nice smell, thankfully. More-
2: that's, what, yeah. that's what's so important <laughs> about a perfume for a woman is that it does leave that mark, you know, that, yes. that, uh, that indelible kind of uh, mystery and sex appeal or whatever it is, mysterious kind yeah. of thing that people remember. And I love that about that perfume because people used to always uh, know where I, when I had been somewhere. Ah, yes. Mary's has yes. been here. Mm, she came up the elevator. Oh, she was in, you know, I mean, and, and that's sort of, uh, I love that kind
1: of. I love as well, like, you know, like, I, like sometimes, the, like my mum came and there was a bag, she left a bag in our, in our closet and I went in to get and I opened up the bag and I could smell her. Like that lovely yeah. thing. It's, not, it's, so, it's sort of a perfume, but it's something else as well. It's about someone's essence as yeah, well that you yeah, get. Exactly. And I think great perfumes have that in them exactly, as well. Exactly, sort of,
2: exactly. The essence of a person, exactly. Yeah. So, um, well, I still wear it. <laughs> I well, still you wear know, it, darling.
1: That's available. Oh, just Fuck Me is available.
2: Fuck me, just fuck me. I love it. Forgo- <laughs> I, I remember the... <laughs> that's so funny. Do you remember those great pictures we did with David Crowland?
1: I do. Those I was just thinking about those in my, in did, my yeah. yes, in my dressing room. In your
2: dressing room, though, it was black and white pictures. They were so great. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I, I, I actually ran into him oh, a couple of years ago. We talk
2: a lot, and he actually even came down to stay with me uh, last year.
1: Oh, how nice! Yeah, say hello to him. I've actually got those pictures, and, and um, maybe I'll use one for the for this. To oh put yeah, it on the front of the podcast. Pictures.
2: I love the one where we're there's one looking in the mirror. Remember? Yes, that's I did. Really beautiful. Yeah.
1: And then also, I think when you were um, when we were doing that, did didn't um, Avadon come? I think I met him. Oh,
2: that's right. Through, Dick through Dick. you, he did. He, he, he did. came. He came to see the play, and he came backstage. Yeah. oh yeah. Dick. He so lovely. And I, you know, it's
1: his grandson. Son, I think. Right. I've been photographed by him. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. He's such a nice boy.
2: Such a nice boy,
1: yeah. I went to this amazing apartment actually uh, on the Upper West Side and look looking on the Central Park. I think it was his, I don't know what relation it was, his aunt or his something's apartment. But uh, yeah, it's amazing how that sort of tradition has carried on. I really liked him and I yeah, really he, loved the pictures I did with him. They're mental. <laughs> Marisa, it's been so lovely to talk to you and to have this little. It was wonderful,
2: darling, to talk to you. Blast I miss the you. Past. I hope we're going to connect at some point soon, one day. I
1: know, let's put that out into the world because I think we're both believers of um, creatively visualizing our future. So let's put Absolutely. it out into the universe that we can do something together.
2: Oh, that would be soon great. And, uh,
1: wonderful and like never open that jar of jam because I fear what will happen I if won't that j- I'm just going
2: to keep it keep preciously it. <laughs> as, a, as a relic of our, of yes. our fun times together <laughs> and thank you for inviting me to talk with you I loved
1: it uh, thank you for um, coming down memory lane on an incoming shelf. I
2: shelves.
1: know that was so lovely actually okay I'm putting my jar of jam back on the shelf very carefully in case it explodes and bits of Raspberry goo goes everywhere. Um and thank you all for joining me. Uh, isn't Marissa an absolute darling? <laughs> and I'm I really hope she considers <laughs> producing that perfume with, uh, you know, Just Fuck Me as the um as a title 10%. All right. See you next time on Unan Incoming Shelves. Unan Incoming Shelves is hosted by me. Alan Cumming, duh, and produced by the lovely Jack Claremont. We are part of the ACAST Creator Network and the Crowd Network too. We just love networks. Another Crowd Network podcast to check out is... The Joe Marler Show. Joe is an England rugby player, but here's the catch. His guests are normal people doing normal jobs. He's meeting teachers, chefs, stunt women, tattoo artists, marine biologists, astronauts and soldiers. And he's asking all the questions you or I would ask. It's as simple as that, but it's also charming because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. Just search for The Joe Marler Show in your podcast app.